Before the mountains were born, and you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting you were born. You turned people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death, they are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. You are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath, we finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to seventy years or eighty if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain the heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad for all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, the splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So um, the second reading will now be from 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 2, verse 22. So that's uh, towards the end of the Bible. That's 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That's it. Somewhere in the room there's a page that we'd like to distribute so everyone gets a discussion page. This is the page you'll be using in your discussion group, so it's coming around now. There's also a box of pens, and we'd love you to have one ready. And if you open up your little booklet, there's an outline, and this is our second talk. It's called Grow Up. <coughs> Catalog up here. <laughs> there are three, four coals catalogs <laughs> up here. Does anyone know why that might be? <laughs> some people slept, some people didn't, some people broke lights in their room. When I came along this weekend, I didn't know it'd be so wild. <laughs> if I didn't meet you last night, greetings. My name is Tim Blenko. I was born in Adelaide, raised in Bangladesh as a missionary kid, went to boarding school in South India, settled back in Sydney where my parents did work among Muslim people in Punchbowl area, moved out to Campbelltown, met my wife's family. Susan and I married straight after university in 1995. 
as we both went into teaching jobs. She's a primary teacher, I'm a high school teacher by trade. And there we were, teaching and loving it, and God redirected our paths. I went to more college because I thought I was going to be a school chaplain, and I got sidetracked into pastoral ministry at Petersham Baptist Church in the inner west. And then nine years later, we moved to Macquarie Baptist, which meets at Morling College. If you've been to the Macquarie Centre, you know Herring Road. There's a roundabout on Herring Road. That's us, Morling College. And Macquarie Baptist Church was established there in the year I was born, 46 years ago. And I've been pastor there for 10 years now. We've become an international church. We used to be a church with an international ministry. We used to do things with international students. And then the penny dropped. We just realized that that's a silly game. We are international. We're international at every level. And so we're just embracing that. And we're trying to work really hard at being a church that integrates people of different cultural backgrounds rather than segregating. And as much as possible, we try and overcome language barriers to make that work. So loving it. In that time, I was part-time lecturing at Morling College in homiletics, and I'm the Baptist chaplain to Macquarie University. Uh, and now we have three children, Stephanie's 17, Austin 14, with a moustache growing. And don't tell him, it's just fuzz at the moment. Um, and then Jackson, 11, the wild one, the fun one. All right, check it out. We've been introducing you to this. Can everyone see that one? Your life in stages. Did you know that life is lived in stages? So... It begins in what we're calling child, and we're ranging that all the way from 0 to 18. So I press click, and it doesn't click. Why don't we pull out the little dongle and whack it in again and see if that resets. Awesome. This is the curse of clickers. <gasps> Hang on, everyone. Just talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> today. Own your life stage. Are you ready? Ladies and gentlemen, the numbers are rubbery, so feel free to fudge it a little. But do we have any children here today? Stand on up. Stand up, children. Thank you. Oh, thank you. An admission. Please do sit down. It's a bit silly, isn't it? You're already adult, but legally you're still a little bit child. That's what they call adolescence. The adultness is kicking in. That's right. So here is the child, and look at all that energy and time. And check out the categories here we're suggesting on the right-hand side of the page. What do children offer? Think of all that creative energy that just is potential in a child. But think of also the vulnerabilities. 
child is vulnerable to disobedience and folly. Some of the dumbest things you did were in those first 18 years. Oh yeah, and that's why your mum and dad were there, to teach you what is right and what is wrong. And children are called to obey their mother and father. Do you know it's the one big command for the child? Obey your mother and father. For there you learn wisdom, you learn right and wrong. And as you learn to submit yourself to your mother and father, you are learning that there are people who know more than you. Nothing more dangerous in this world than someone who grows up without that. Someone who grows up without the constraint and the restraints and the wisdom and the discipline of childhood. They become dangerous adults. They are children in adult bodies. And so as a child, we learn to obey. And as we learn to submit ourselves to the wisdom of our parents, effectively, a child is meant to be able to look through their mother and father and see the wisdom of God. And so as they hear their parents teaching them right and wrong and saying no and yes, they should be hearing the voice of God and the goodness of God in all of those commands. That's how it's meant to be. And children are meant to learn to obey. And then youth kicks in. 18 to 40. You're an adult, but you're a young adult, and you feel young most of those years. Uh, 40 is a real thing, by the way. Uh, the moment I went through that barrier out of youthfulness, I was in midair. I was playing futsal on a Tuesday night, and I was in the air, going to head the ball and twisting, managed to connect, but by the time I landed, my back had done something that it had never done before, and oh, okay, that was the beginning of Over the Hill. <laughs> it's a real thing, and now there are aches and pains, I'm 46 this year, there are aches and pains that I can't explain. Before that, I could explain everything. That was the coffee table, you know, this was banging myself on the, but now things just happen and you don't know why they do. That's when you know you're over the hill. But hey, youthful people, can we own this? Please, a show of hands. Who is young adult here today? 18 to 40. Yes. You know what we love about you guys? Your strength and your passion. The scriptures speak of the youth for the energy and zeal. And we need this. You're learning in this time of your life purpose and humility. That's right. Nothing worse the young adults without purpose. My wife and I worked for a time in London. We were both teachers, we were three years married, we took teaching roles in London. And the number of young people we discovered, Australians just swanning around, running with the bulls here, climbing a tower there, totally aimless everywhere. And the number of Christian young adults we discovered completely loosed off from their moorings. No idea where they're heading to in life. The most dangerous thing in these youthful years is aimlessness and arrogance. You know, the Bible has a command for young men especially. It's pull your head in. Humble yourself. Did you know that? You're most prone to be full of yourself in these dangerous youthful years. You are wonderful, you are energetic, you are passionate. You're also in danger of being 
I know it all. Don't need to listen to everyone. Arrogant. So I really want to encourage you, learn the lesson that young men seem to find it hardest to learn. And that is to humble yourself. Pull your head in. And learn self-control. Does that make sense as an idea? Can you see how this becomes a thing? Yes, a child needs to learn that. But especially a youth needs to learn that. Do you see how the goals kind of change a little bit? The aims shift. And then middle age. These middles, they're amazing. Still got a lot of energy, pressure to time because they are carrying weight. And for many of you, this is still your mother and father. Think about everything that's on their plate at the moment. All the people they have to look out for above them, like aging parents. People they have to look out for below them, like children and maybe even some grandchildren popping up at this point. And then think of all the stuff they are anchoring in your church. God bless the aunties and uncles. This is what I've learned at my church in the last 10 years, the auntie power. It's an amazing thing. And uncles in the Lord, look at what they're doing in your church and in their businesses and their organizations. and in their, They are working hard. Can we own this, please? Uh, have we got any middles here today? Anyone a middle? Praise the Lord. I'm middle. Just a baby middle. 46, learning this. And these are your most productive years. These are years of being a leader, whether in an official role or just someone that others will look to. But there's great vulnerabilities in this time. Can you see that? The worries, the pressures, and the distractions. These middle years, you're most susceptible to going after the wrong thing. If you're aimless in your youth, you're obsessed with the wrong thing potentially in these middle years. Career, advancement, mortgages, impressing. No, no, no. Keep learning in these middle years what is truly valuable and what's truly worth investing. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Do you see how the ground shifts? A child doesn't need to think about any of those things. Right? You know that beautiful innocence that you have when you're five? What's your biggest concern when you're five? Whether or not you're going to get chocolate. What's your biggest concern when you're 55? Could be any number of things. Big things, weighty things. And so the middles. And then your life stage will shift towards what we call retiring. See this? We're going to switch. Oh, there we go. And the energy is dropping now. The time is starting to build up again. Resources are strong. Experience is strong. Responsibility changing. And here in these years, you are an excellent role model. You are someone who ought to be mentoring and supporting those underneath you. You should be in a handing on of the baton. Now, some people in this zone, 60 to 75, do we have any here today? Anyone want to own this? Thank you, sir. (laughs) Represent. (laughs) I think only just. 
in this bracket. Okay. Really important. You may not physically retire. You could have any number of years to go in the workforce, but mentally, psychologically, this is the time to be starting to step back and thinking about legacy and what you're handing on to others, maybe stepping into some different roles. And what we don't want is a retiree mentality that's all about self-indulgence. You know that idea? Kids are gone, money in the bank, let's blow it on cruises, overseas holidays, traveling around Australia, making a bigger kitchen, expanding the house, just self, 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 self. So these are years to hold on to the good things. Look at the command in 1 Timothy 6. Command the rich, says Paul to Timothy, to be rich in good works. Generous, ready to share. Take hold of the life that is truly life. Set your eyes. That's Christian retirement, isn't it? It's to work all the more for the kingdom. That's how we retire from the workforce. And let that be your mother and father. Maybe you need to help them with that at this stage of their life. And when it's your turn to be in this age bracket, may it be you. And then finally, you're going to be officially old. Yeah, that's right. We're calling it 75 plus. And there's your stats on the screen. And we praise God for the seniors who are for us an example. And they give us a sense of perspective on ourselves. But they are exactly where I am going to be. There are some wonderfully godly men and women in my church, and I tell them often, I want to be like you, Phyllis. When I'm your age, I want to be zealous for the Lord like you. I want to be like you, Alfred. Thank you for the example you give me. Pray for me. And these, for me, are my role models of age. There's a real vulnerability in this age that's a little bit different to previous ages. An old person who is stubborn and set in their ways. Ever met one? <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> right? Holding on to the past, unable to cope with the changes and the newness, perhaps a heart that's torn up with despair. It's a really vulnerable time. And in fact, every stage, do you see, has its strengths and its vulnerabilities. Every life stage is a package in which you will live out your life for the Lord. Have we got any seniors here today? Anyone want to own this category? Great. Okay, now I just want you to think for a second. 15 years time. Let me give you an idea of 15 years. 15 years ago was 2004. That was when NASA was putting a rover on Mars. It's when Cyclone Katrina ripped through New Orleans. Memories? 15 years. You didn't know about that one? Oh, brother. Devastation. 15 years ago. So it's not that long. So now think 15 years ahead. What life stage will you be? Look at the map. Where will you be in 15 years? I'd like you to own it and talk to the person next to you. Go.
Alright. Again, the numbers are rubbery, so don't be too panicky, but can I just have a show of hands of those who in 15 years will have changed life stage according to the categories we've been using? 15 years time, you will have changed. Whoa. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Today we're thinking about growing up. interesting is it seeing the different form the package takes for this one person and I want you to think about this tonight think about your life stages as a package and each package has its advantages and disadvantages and each package has a purpose so I just want to ask you now which of these do we need more of in the world do we need more one-year-olds or more 40 year olds so a one-year-old represents potential right Hardly knows anything, but can become almost anything. A 40-year-old, got a lot of experience now, has a lot of capacity, but is unlikely to be able to become much different. A few changes here and there, maybe one more big change to go, but the changes are less and less, but the capacity is strong. So what do we need more of? Do we need more potential or more capacity? What's the answer? Trick question. We need both. And that's the point. All of those different life stages that you are going to track through, we need you to be each one of them. So when it's your life stage to be youth, please be youth. And when it's your turn to be middle, please be middle. We need to always be stepping up. Own the life stage we're in and step up and be ready to step into the next life stage and be ready to take on the responsibilities and the limitations that come with it. Does that make sense? Yeah? All right. Thank you, people. So it's not appropriate to stay in the life stage you are. It's not appropriate to stagnate. We need you to grow. And I'm going to be honest here, because I hardly know you, in fact, I only met you last night, I can be totally honest. Some of you need to grow up. I'm only saying that on the basis of experience and statistics. Some of you need to grow up. You're behaving childishly. So hear from the scriptures today. All of us need to grow up. And I'm not talking about young punks behaving like kids. I'm talking about sometimes adults with grey hair 
behaving like children. Self-centered, where's the chocolate? What's in it for me? Grow up. Is that okay to say? That's the sternest word you're gonna hear from me all weekend. <laughs> and I want to give you a paradigm for this. The growth is something all of us are called to, no matter what our age. If you are in the Lord, you will never stop growing spiritually. Whether you're five or 95, grow in the Lord. And I want to show you today that you are on a path of growth. Look at this. Start with a place like 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It's a beautiful scripture, isn't it? It says, like newborn babies, as Peter writes, Crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. He's speaking to people who are newly converted, getting their head around Jesus, and they are babies in the faith, and they need the pure milk of God's word and the scriptures and an understanding of the gospel and all its implications because they need to grow up. It is not okay to stay where you are. And for some of you, spiritually... You're playing a game. You're pursuing all the worldly things, academics, worldly success, and you're keeping the spiritual things just warm enough so that you present well on Sunday, present well in Bible study, but you have no desire or intention to go deep with the Lord. I need to tell you, grow up. It's time to snap out of baby food. And step up in the Lord. We need your broad shoulders. How do you think this church came to be such a healthy church, strong in the Lord? Because the people before you stepped up. And now it's your turn. So I need you to decide you're going to bear the weight of responsibility spiritually. And that needs you and the Lord to go deep. So time to grow up in God's grace. Grow up in your salvation. Listen to this. It's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. This is the same Apostle finishing his second book and just signing off to the Christians that are reading it. And there's this prayer that he has for them, that they'll always be growing, growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. That means growing by a work of God. It's his grace, a gift. But also it means growing by understanding God's grace because it's when we understand what Jesus has done for us in the, on the cross that's where we understand ourselves and our life and we grow in wisdom, always coming back to the gospel, always coming back to God's grace. So do you hear the idea this morning? You are on a path of growth. So get with it. The Lord wishes to grow you. Grow in grace. And secondly, we are to learn as generations. Look at this. 1 John chapter 2 has this beautiful description as the Apostle John writes to a church, he imagines the people in that church in terms of these different phases of spiritual development. And he just gives them labels. Uh, excuse the sexism in this for a moment. It's not intended that way. But he just goes for this. Uh, children, fathers, young men. And these are spiritual categories. So I want you to listen to this. He says, hey, dear children, you know the Father. You fathers, you know him who is from the beginning. You young men, you are strong. The word of God lives in you. 
you've overcome the evil one. What we think this is for the Apostle John as he writes to the church is he's trying to speak pastorally to people at different spiritual phases of the journey. You're new to the faith. You're discovering God's love for you in Jesus. Isn't it the most wonderful thing when you first became a Christian? God loves me. He's forgiven me. I'm his child. I can speak to God as my father. It's the most wonderful thing, isn't it? And so he encourages those who are discovering that new relationship with God. You children, you know the Father. How good is that? And then he jumps right up to the other end. Those who have been walking with Jesus a long time. They're like fathers and mothers in the faith. They're the ones who've proven God's faithfulness from beginning to end. And he reminds them of that sure certainty they have. You know him who's from the beginning. You've been around a long time. He's been around longer. And you fathers in the faith, you mothers in the faith, you're proving that every day. And then I think he hits right in the middle. You young ones, young men and women of God, spiritually. Where are you at? You're strong. The word of God's living in you. You've overcome the evil one. It's an interesting description, isn't it? Because you could say that about anyone in any phase. But what is it particularly about people needing to learn this in those middle years? Because those middle years are the spiritual battle years. This is where you learn to be strong, to deal with sinful habits, to say no to temptation, to sort out your thinking, to get the Word of God drilled into your life. This is where you deal with all those spiritual battles, the zone you are in now. Keep going. It's interesting when you look for this generational language in Scripture. Here is the Proverbs. You know, famously, the Proverbs speaks to a a little boy about how he's going to grow to fear the Lord. And the Proverbs say, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland, a decoration around your neck, around your head, a chain to adorn your neck. Generational wisdom coming down from those who have gone ahead. You see, your mother and your father probably sat in a group like this once upon a time. They were young punks before they even knew each other, maybe at a Christian youth camp. Can you imagine that for a minute? Sure. Yeah, that's right. And then think of what all they've gone through to get to where they are now. And that's why they have wisdom for you. That's why you do well to listen to them, especially if they are godly men and women, not children. And so here's another example in 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, his protege. And he says, hey, Timothy, I'm reminded of your faith. And you know what? When I think about your faith, I think about where it came from. It first lived in your grandmother, Lois. And then your mother, Eunice. And I persuade that I can see that same faith is in you. Three generations. The Apostle Paul can step back and see it. Yep, passed down. Yep, passed down. Wow. This is how we grow. We grow by following the ones in front. Follow the ones in front. Follow. They won't always get it right. You'll have your tussles. Sometimes the older people in church won't quite get what it's like to be a younger person in this world. Especially where you've got cultural difference. Maybe your parents migrated to Australia. And so there's a whole cultural divide about what it's like to grow up in Hong Kong, what it's like to grow up in Australia. But filter through that, please. Push through that, please, and find the wisdom. 
Help your parents to see where their perspective needs to change. Graciously, gently, carefully. But above all, listen to your mother and father. And then you get that passage in Titus 2. I'm not going to go through it in detail, but I just want to show you the categories. Paul is teaching uh, how you pastor a church. And you pastor a church by taking into account life stages. Did you know that? Godliness has phases according to life stages. And, for example, older women need to be taught certain things as an accent. And older women need to be taught certain things. And younger women need to be taught certain things. And younger men need to be taught certain things. I don't want to go through the details of that, but you can see the idea. Yes, godliness is universal. We've all got to learn the same stuff. But actually, no. Young men, you especially need to learn humility and self-control. If you have a porn addiction in this room, today it finishes, please. You need to step up. Self-control. No more pornography. It's messing with your head. It's messing with the way you relate to the women in your life. It's messing up your future. Stop it today. Young women, enough of the gossiping. Start guarding other people's dignity by being very careful how you talk about them behind their back and how you let others talk about them behind their back. Do you see? It's not that boys don't gossip. Of course they do. It's not that girls don't struggle with sexual addictions. Of course they do. But there's particular words that need to be said to particular people in particular life stages. You understand the idea? That's how it works. So godliness has a generationality to it. And we learn as generations. And then thirdly, clickly, click. This is what turned up in my letterbox. It's a grainy image because I've zoomed right in. But can you see the dude? How old would you say he is? It's a full beard, friends. How old is he? 20, 30? Late 20s? Early 30s? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Okay, this is where he was found. He's part of a brochure, just like this one, advertising a huge sale of, what, new cars? No, computer games. Yeah, that's right. Our world is marketing to young men games, endless games. And our young men are being taught to never grow up out of adolescence. You can be adolescent all the way into your 40s if you like. Live in your mum's house, play computer games all night, unable to help anyone in the morning because you stayed up all night on the computer. Our world is totally lost when it comes to young people learning responsibility. And we are going to be different as Christians. We're going to man up men. We're going to grow up women. And we're going to be men and women of God. And so the time has come to step up. And this is where we come to today's little Bible passage. Here's one example in the scriptures where the older Apostle Paul is speaking to Timothy and why do you think Paul knows about these things? Because he was once young. And so he's able to speak very precisely into the experience of young Timothy. He says, Timothy, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue faith, love, peace, along with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. It's really interesting if you step back and look at what's happening here. The apostle is saying, actually, when you're a young person... There are particular temptations. 
He calls them the evil desires of youth. It's basically worldliness, frittering away your life, going down paths of folly and shame, doing things in secret that if the world knew about it, you would be ashamed to have it shown. These are the evil desires of youth. And as men and women of God, how do we grow up? We flee from those things. Get rid of it. Cut it out of your life. And instead, stand with God's people. Do you see the structure of this text? He says, flee the evil desires of youth. So here is worldly, godless youthfulness. And it's not going to be me. And so I'm running away from that. But where do I run to? What's my destination? I'm going to stand, actually. I'm going to stand with all those who call on the name of the Lord. What a beautiful contrast. Here are my brothers and sisters. Here are uncles I can learn from. They were young ones like me, and I can learn from them and I can share with them. If you can't talk to your parents about the struggles you're having with this phase of your life, then find uncles and aunties in the Lord. Find them. They're in your church. And they totally get what you're going through. And stand with those people, all those who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. That's our game. So are you hearing me today, young ones? Step up, please. We need you to step up. No more childishness. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. It doesn't matter what life stage you're at. You can be a giant spiritually. So you can even be a young person in the church, and yet you can shoulder massive responsibility and be a great example and be honoring to the Lord. So time to step up. Does that make sense? Awesome. So what we're going to do is move toward discussion groups and you can see the page I gave you what I want us to be doing is thinking about not ourselves but people we know at church so flick it over the other side have your pen ready please I want you to have a go at this and I want you just right now use your pen and the page for each life stage list four people who are close to you, whom you know very well. And I want to ask you to please try and avoid family members, okay? Because we take for granted that you love them and you know them. I want you to think outside family members, who do I know in my church community or in my broader community? Now, if you're new to the church here, you may not know many people in the church, so you can think back to your previous church or people in your networks. For each life stage, list the four closest names whom you know very well. I'm going to give you two minutes, ladies and gentlemen, and then it's then the exam is over, pens down. So let's have quiet in the examination room. Go.
times five life stages. That's 20 names. Already we're scratching our heads. Who do I know? Who do I know? Come on, people. You have one minute to go. One minute. Okay, do we need more time? All right. It's hard up that top end, isn't it? Come on, keep pushing it. I'll settle for three names. Three is fine. Okay, stop. Stop, 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 stop. Part of the point of this is just showing you that it's very hard to actually think of names. And it comes back to what I was saying last night. We relate in cohorts. If I asked you to write down the names of 20 people in this room, you'd do that easily. But think outside your age bracket? Oh, that's hard. 20 people who are close. And that's my point. And this is one of my prayers for your church, that you would change this. Because actually, these different life stages, we need each other. And it is not healthy or godly to compartmentalize our Christian life into these little age silos. Understand that? You need to learn to relate across the age brackets. So, is anyone struggling to find one name in the senior category? Senior, the purple one. Just one name. Okay. Whew, that's tough. What about retiring? Anyone struggling to find retiring? Wow. Okay. And then anyone struggling to find a middle? These are your parents' friends. People, come on. Your parents' friends. All right. What about child? Did anyone struggle to find a child? Okay. Thank you. Thanks for being honest. A couple of things. Friends, the children in your church especially need you to look up to, right? My kids, 17, 14, 11, at the moment, my wife and I aren't, we are role models to them, but we aren't the best people at the moment to disciple them. It's your age that they need to look to. And the kids in your church community need you to step up and be role models, big sister to them. Maybe even meet up one-to-one and do discipling with the teenagers. Have you ever thought of doing that? Yeah, that's your responsibility. And you will be able to help those kids the way their parents can never. And similarly, the seniors and retirees in your church, they need you to show them that you are watching them and you appreciate them. And that you want to be like them. I know that's a weird idea. And they need to hear from you what your needs are so they can encourage you. 
Does this make sense? Okay. I want you to go to number two now. Just choose one name from a life stage that's not your life stage. So question two, choose a name from your list above. From one life stage that's not your life stage. And then think about that person. I know this is getting complicated. It's like a physics problem, right? Now I want you to project 15 years into the future. Whoa. 15 years. Now what life stage will that person be in 15 years? You might not know their age exactly. Take a guess. And then I want you to answer this question before we go to discussion groups. How will your relationship with that person need to change? So let's imagine you do life together increasingly, you do church together, you make an effort to connect with this person. How is your relationship with that person going to need to change over these 15 years because of the different life stage they are in and you are in? Have a go at that just between you, the pen and the page. Okay, you have one more minute. Right, just to help people in the room who are struggling with this, is there someone willing just to share with us the name of your person, what life stage they're going to be in 15 years, and how you think your connection with them might change at that time? Anyone? doesn't matter if it's not a great response, just gives us an idea of the kind of things we're thinking about. Anyone brave? Who's going to step up? Okay, take a moment to share with the person next to you. Go. Okay. Now, is there someone who's willing to share very quickly, just to inspire us before we go to groups? The name of your person, what life stage, and how your connection will change. All right. Do we have brave people? Thank you. Please. What's your name? Okay. Do you want to use the microphone? <laughs> 
Someone different. Ah, oh, thank you. The men are stepping up. If I write down Cyril. Is that Cyril's going to join you in the in the youth? Caesar, you've not heard that before. Cis, Ciso. All right. So do you understand? I think we're going to groups next. Is that right? Can someone verify? After morning tea, then into groups. And there's no real game plan except just to track through this page and just discuss together how's this sitting with you talk about the life stage you are at i want you to begin there so the life stage you are at now and how you can relate to these things that are listed here and then talk about the life stage you're going to be in 15 years time and how you can relate to that in 15 years time so does that make sense as an idea all right i'm sure you'll find plenty to talk about and the aim is to pray so at the end of your group time together, you want to pray for each other. Thank you. Well, let me pray for us now. Our Father God, thank you for making us this way. You give us these different life stages and each has its great advantages and constraints. There are wonderful opportunities. There are also pitfalls and dangers. And at every life stage, you call us to grow. So I pray for my sisters and brothers in this room today that you will help us each one to step up, to own the stage of life we're at, and to prepare ourselves for the next stage. Above all, will you help us to grow up in our faith? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.